Welcome to Fintech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different fintech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Hello, and welcome to the Fintech Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today, I sit down and speak with Kevin Kleiman. Kevin is the CEO and founder of Humi. Humi is a HR software company. Now, you may be asking yourself, how is an HR software company a fintech company? Well, in two ways. First, they've recently added payroll in addition to their normal subscriber model. But traditionally, the way that they truly monetized is by becoming the group insurance broker for the companies with which they deal with. So basically, they were offering a near-free or low-cost software uh, solution that then in turn monetized on the back end should they be made the broker. Now, this is a model that was not conceived of by Humi. To their credit, Humi acknowledges that this is a model that was started by a company called Zenefits in the U.S. For those of you unfamiliar with Zenefits, Zenefits is one of the fastest growing SaaS companies of all time in the U.S. Services of software is what SaaS means. And basically, the model was very straightforward. Give away HR software we will make money off the insurance sales. And that company rose to a valuation of over a billion dollars very, very quickly. Kevin is also a graduate of Y Combinator, or is that just to say that Humi is a graduate of Y Combinator. For those of you unfamiliar with Y Combinator, Y Combinator is one of the largest, most prestigious accelerators or incubators in the US. And their entire model is that they bring in startups every year into a class. And essentially, these startups get to work out of a shared space and they get coaching from other entrepreneurs, people with experience in different fields, and get to network with each other, as well as get some provide with some shared resources. And the entire idea is that they are to these startups enter that company or enter that organization and then leave having accelerated their growth to a point where they are worth significantly more than where they started. So I invite you to sit down and listen to my interview with Kevin and hear from him directly about his journey, what whom he's trying to accomplish, and their impact on the financial space in general, whether they are friend or foe to advisors and how we can work with them or insulate our businesses around them. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for sitting down. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Good to see you. So tell us about Humi. Uh, so Humi is cloud-based uh, payroll benefits and HR software, uh, kind of all three together in one simple to use browser-based software. And we have a very unique business model where it's somewhat like traditional software as a service, like Salesforce or HubSpot, where you pay a monthly fee per person who's on the platform, or something that we've borrowed from a couple companies in the States who had a lot of success with it. People can make us the broker of their insurance benefits, and that actually covers the cost of the software. Yeah, and this is so. This was something pioneered by one of those companies. So, with Zenefits was the first out of the gate with that, correct? Uh, Zenefits was the first out of the yeah. gate. There are now Gusto, namely the three or four others that provide a, a ton of value in this software piece, and they supplement it with the brokerage side. And brokers, you know, a personal relationship is one thing, and you know, it's been interesting over the last couple of years to understand what deals we win versus what we don't. And I think a great relationship between a broker and their client will almost never win. They'll prefer to pay for the software. There are some times where they aren't serviced that much or very well. Those are the only cases we really see on the broker side. Really? So yeah, you get the disgruntled clients and you get the ones who are just probably new startups, I would think, a lot of that too? Uh, Yeah, a combination of the two. For a lot of new startups, um, if they're owning the system, it's 
really simple to get the benefits piece and it covers a significant software cost for them. Good. So basically bottom line is they have to run their entire company as opposed to a bunch of spreadsheets and files in random locations. It's all one one place and full disclosure, I am one of your clients. So <laughs> so there's, there's my endorsement. I'll take it. We're trying to solve the problem of multiple siloed systems that don't talk to, you know, like you said, Excel spreadsheets, manual processes, people spending a lot of time reconciling systems when that time is better spent running their business, making their onboarding better, doing X, Y, and Z. That isn't like making sure time off is put into payroll properly or, I mean, there's about a thousand different examples you can use on the HR side. Yeah, we used to run it off series of spreadsheets and that was just a cumbersome constant Google search and Google Docs to try to find where, where we left the thing. So tell me how you got this entire company started. So this is my first rodeo, my first technology startup. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not from the world of insurance or benefits particularly. That's um, good and bad at the same good time. Bad. Good. <laughs> uh, actually, I actually have a, kind of an odd uh, background. I'm a licensed dentist. So you're so you on the other side of getting claims. Exactly. But for as long as I can remember, I'd been building businesses with friends on my own. Um, I got really into building um, software-based companies while I was in college and then continued that through dental school. Just mm -hmm. so happens I come from a family of dentists. Didn't have much choice there. <laughs> dental school is the only thing we're paying for and that's it? For, Pretty much. Okay. I was on my own after, you know, I, I actually worked as a dentist for a couple of years, paid off all my student loans, was building software companies on the side, and then eventually left to start my first company venture-backed company, mm. but it was a consumer-based mobile app. Okay. It was like Instagram for sound. So you would have used it to create a podcast. And we had some success in the world of consumer uh, mobile apps. You either Snapchat or Instagram and have hundreds of millions of yeah. people using the app or you're... It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing, yeah. yeah. And as that wound down, I really got interested in uh, SaaS companies, mm -hmm. software as a service, at the time, the golden case study for growing a SaaS company was Zenefits. They were the fastest growing SaaS company yep. in history. And the more I learned about what they were doing, the more I fell in love with the concept, thought it could be done Canada only, and just kind of went for it. It's funny because the first conversation we ever had was me calling you and saying, congratulations on beating me to the punch because I had actually tried to talk someone into doing the exact same thing about six months prior. And, and launching one. So congratulations on me to the punch, but <laughs> things are still good on my end. But uh, yeah, so I mean, what, so what attracted you besides the scalability of this? What was it that basically made you think that this was the way to go? Originally it was the business model. Yeah. I thought it was just incredibly smart to allow people to, you know, use a commission that is already built into the price of something they're going to pay for to have additional value. As I've learned more about the HR space, the whole science of managing people, learn more about the world of insurance and how important that is in people's lives. I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole on a number of different fronts in like having a huge amount of interest in helping people like actually understand how to evaluate their company's employees and how to scale that and hmm. do every, everything related to the people management side. And then on the insurance side, when you have a fair amount of data pertaining to a single person, we're not able to do it today, but I would love to explore ideas around how do you do better things for that person, given that we understand who they are better. Absolutely. So a big data play. We've talked about that in the past. So you have a couple partners in this. How'd you guys come together to form this? So my first co-founder, Matt, who was our technical lead, we met a couple years ago. He was building a social mobile app in the same space as me. <laughs> And experiencing pretty much the exact same thing as I did, you know, built this beautiful mobile app, 
hundreds of thousands of people using it, ultimately no financial outcome or business outcome mm -hmm. from the company. And then the other two co-founders, uh, Simon and Drew, Simon, who is kind of our, he is our COO and then Drew's our head of sales. Uh, Simon, his older brother, is my best friend going back 20 plus years. <laughs> he ran another SaaS company in Toronto. And when I started or started thinking about building QB, we just started having conversations around sales. How do you sell? How do you prospect? How do you build a funnel? How do you use CRM software? Turns out his one of his best friends uh, going back to college is Drew, who has now built <laughs> small world, small world yep. two um, really impressive sales organizations. One was kind of a deal of the day, like Groupon type companies, and he scaled that from zero to 50 sales reps. And then the other company on the much larger end of deals, he'd grown that company from 15 people to about 110. And so it, it was, there's a lot of coincidence there, but at the end, ended up with this really fantastic group of people to originate the company who they're kind of like the pillars in a lot of ways of systems that we need built. Excellent. So in terms of the core offering, I mean, and I can speak from experience on this. So it's the traditional stuff we're thinking about, like who's your employee? Where's all that stuff go? I mean, you guys make things easy in that we have, you know, we can easily put our templates in there and have them populate anytime we want to do a job offer or a job review. So that's, it's usually, that's useful. But the more recent or application, which was through a merger, was the payroll application. Can you speak to why that was, was an important change for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So for as far back as I can remember, we wanted to do everything in one place. And we decided to go down the route of doing everything as it relates to um, HR and the insurance side, except for payroll, because payroll is its own beast. You know, it has to have um, connections to all the banks, which are tough to do. There's a lot of hoops that have to be jumped through to create a payroll company. And we didn't think we'd be able to get there for at least another year, year and a half until we met a couple of guys who were building the payroll company that perfectly aligned with what we were doing who we were, the type of people running the company were just fantastic. They, and so we decided we'd be much better off if we, as much as it was like an acquisition, it was more like a merger where we just both felt like it'd be stronger for us to go at it together than alone. Fair enough. What was the compelling difference between their payroll system and other ones you've looked at? Just incredibly simple to use. For as simple as payroll should be when you break it down it's you know, not <laughs> money out pay it to employees most of the systems are horrendous they're yeah. like oh it, yeah it's it confusing to do deductions you know making sure you're in line with all the proper rules just the usability into themselves a lot of them look like they were designed for windows 95 and have like <laughs> never evolved beyond that point you know and they built something that was web-based that was as simple to use as like a facebook or twitter would be very intuitive for people and to have that hook into the HR system is magic because when you hire somebody to get their doc signed and have them on board, they're automatically in payroll. When they take time off, that's automatically reflected in payroll when people do their clock. So no more out. servicing multiple locations. You know, you're not putting in time off or wages into one system and then having to go do it on your payroll system. You can hopefully when this thing's completely done, you're gonna be able to just put it in one place and be done with it. I know some business owners that literally spend half a day plus every two weeks reconciling their payroll <laughs> to make sure it's run properly. Oh, man. And it's, it's, it's insane because it's really just data transfer. Yep. And like so many times it's just broken and someone's going to come along and clean it up. So tell me about how, what your pricing model, how does that work? So for companies who come on, there's a traditional SaaS license where 
there's a base fee and there's a cost per employee per month. It's fairly nominal, enough so that any company can really afford to have the software. It's not really an impactful cost, but you know, if a company decides to make it their insurance broker instead of pay for the SaaS software, that there's no cost to the software for the company. So fair enough. And the you know one of the things that really when when you guys started popping up and other competitors started popping up, the waves of benefits it made in the U.S. were such that when Canadians were hearing about that, there was a bit of terror. Just about every group broker I talked to. I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard to compete with the group broker who's going to do the right job and also offer all this extra value add. I mean, to me, it was a no-brainer. And that's why when I first reached out to you, it was to say, hey, please create a console so I can like work with you and give you a slice of the pie because it's a lot better for, for me and it's a lot better for you because you can lick the spoon of the entire industry. You never went that route, but I mean, you pretty much have, right? I mean, if I, as a broker, choose to basically cover the cost of this software for my groups, I can absolutely bake that into the cost, right? I think the broker, not white label, but partner route is extremely attractive. It's something we absolutely want to go down just a matter of bandwidth for us. We're a less than three-year-old company. Even though we're like 30 plus people, you know, there's only so much we can do and focus on at one time. I think we'll be there eventually. In terms of, (laughs) sorry, what was the original question? Well, no more so. It was was like, if I am broker and I don't want to compete with you guys, I can totally just basically cover the cost of this and bake it into my commission schedule. Absolutely. And all right, I remember the original question to address that specifically. Fair enough. I think it's such a, a massive switch in people's heads for an industry that has been operating almost the same for a long, a long, long time, right? Like normally a group broker would get uh, sign up a, co- a company for their benefits and it would expect to keep them for decades. Yeah, absolutely. Decades with, you know, very simple servicing, maybe see them a couple times a year, maybe a report or two, yeah. but it kind of changes the servicing um, expectation from the client side. And so for people who have really good relationships with clients, I don't think a piece of software is going to really, shouldn't really scare them. For people who don't and who've just been relying on the traditional paradigm of like, you've signed somebody up, they're just going to stay with you. It, it kind of changes the game. It forces you to think about how you can add a little more value or build the relationship quicker or better. I think you underestimate just how scary of technology a lot of insurance guys are. But I agree with you. I mean, personally, it to me was a no-brainer to simply say to myself, okay, I can, this is, to me as a broker, it, it allows me to build a moat around the client, right? Uh, and you're right. Like these are long-lasting relationships in group because typically what happens, you keep these until there's a change in ownership and maybe the buddy comes in or a change in the administrator and, the, and a change comes in or someone comes in and manages to undercut the price substantially, right? So it makes perfect sense. It's a wonderful value add. In terms of, so, I mean, like you said, you're a three-year-old company. So you're currently working in digesting this M&A deal right now with, with the payroll systems. Like, what is the vision, the larger vision for this going forward? Like you mentioned, you know, building out the broker capabilities. But beyond that, like, what kind of value add do you want to offer? We see a lot of promise in being an end-to-end solution, not just for the employer, but the employee and how that their salary gets allocated into products that support their lives. You know, like a true, like our financial systems really are built to support people's lives. And like a good financial advisor, you know that you should really start with what is the end result that we're trying to work towards and mm-hmm. doing a work back. And it's always some combination of savings and investments and debt. And if we could have a complete picture and allowing people to decide to put X amount from their paycheck in their group RSP, and that goes pre-tax, the employer doesn't even need to contribute. That's kind of a magical thing. And if we understand where their insurance is at, 
and their assets and can say, hey, you know, it makes sense to move X more into the asset, you know, having a full financial picture and being able to service all those products is an absolute dream. I don't think it's going to take years and years for us to get to that point. Fair enough. But I mean, it's, it's compelling. I mean, you, you are actually at the source of origination of funds when you control payroll, right? So you have more information on them than, you know, we see when we get statements from clients, we see what's taken off, right? We have to ask for pay stubs to basically see what's going on. But you get to see the full look through of what, what's coming off this paycheck from, from taxes to benefits, right? And being able to model that with other information. I mean, we talked about this in the past. I mean, this is an opportunity to create a big data play around, around financial wealth. And I think that's, that's absolutely, I mean, I want to see you do it. <laughs> I, I think what's really interesting as a fintech company, yeah. you should, like, as a financial technology, you should really, in a startup, acquisition, the cost of acquiring assets under management or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, customers is really one of the biggest things. And companies absolutely. like Wealthsimple, for instance, yes. they have a fantastic brand, huge consumer presence. It's extremely expensive to them to go out and acquire somebody. They've got a Super Bowl ad, yep. a folly around the internet, X, yep. Y, and Z. Whereas people come to us and pay us to get between you know their bank and their money. Absolutely, which is pretty fantastic. And yeah, their bank and their money, the bank and the or the insurance company and, and their benefits. And I, I totally see that. It's um, you're right. And so I mean, the I've heard several people I know in this space say that they're jealous of your of your uh, monetization abilities off the front end because a lot of what you're talking about in the fintech space, like, you know, well, simples of the world, you know, they, they spend a lot on on commercials on Super Bowl, but then, you know, at the back end, they don't charge anything for $5,000 for the first 5,000 and average account size 30. It takes a lot of scale to get there. I mean, mm-hmm. you're able to take a very profitable niche of the industry and be able to actually convert that into additional benefit. So yeah, so beyond payroll. So what's next beyond payroll? What, what do you think the next priority is? You, you, you basically get that done. So the focus for us today is on becoming an incredible, a leader in the HR uh, and payroll space. HR, payroll, and benefits first in the core stuff. So onboarding of employees, uh, processing payroll really simply, doing time off in such a way that it makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, it's transparent, and it like syncs up with payroll really well. The next big thing that's coming down the pipe is performance management for companies. A completely revamped performance management where a company can create true roadmaps for a person's career, can show them exactly where they are, what it takes to get to the next level, what that'll mean in terms of salary. Because if we can build proper, like really good performance tools, then we can tie it to everything else. You can tie it to salary, you can tie it to tiers of benefits, mm-hmm. You can't discriminate, but you know there are ways of. Yeah, you go uh, to another class of of, of of employee. I totally get that, and and ambiguity around career path is typically one of the reasons why people end up leaving a lot of companies. Yeah, right? so. people have annual reviews, and it's just like you might as well throw it in the garbage. If you meet yeah. once a year, you need periodic check-ins. You need systemized ways of doing feedback really well. Yeah. Of you know. It, you need transparency between you know for the employee as to where they actually are and when they graduate to the next role, or else you lose good people that you spend a lot of time and money to recruit them and train them up. Any thought towards like the integration of other data flows into that? I mean, I'm thinking, you know, there's plenty of sales softwares that track people's productivity. I'm sure that many jobs might be able to, you might be able to like almost give them a real time view if you're looking at something like that. Uh, on the performance side, yeah. I don't. We haven't considered anything major like that yet. Starting I know out. on the payroll side. Yeah. Integration with Zero, integration with QuickBooks, the integration with a lot of Absolutely. services 
like that that your accountant is absolutely going to want for you to use. I already want that. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> those those yeah. are the first things that will be there, you know, in the first quarter, in the next quarter. Oh, us. fantastic. Look forward to it. Good. So how big is the team now? So the team is 30. Oh, you went from zero to 30 in, in three years. Not bad. <laughs> I mean, it's actually closer to two, but uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been awesome. Uh, it's been an interesting experience scaling up that quickly. What um, have the challenges been for you and the team in terms of doing that? It's interesting because the tool we're building right now in performance addresses a lot of the issues we've had. <laughs> internally. <laughs> internally. Like, You're your own first customer. Exactly. Yeah. Creating great feedback systems. You know, we've lost a couple of good people that we didn't know we were going to lose. We had a couple of people underperforming or not necessarily happy when we didn't know. Systems that are like able to surface those issues before things actually come up. And then, you know, being an early stage startup, all your systems change every six to 10 months. And so we've switched CRMs a couple times and also, you know, cut CSMs a couple times. Oh Finding, you know, when you want to convince somebody to work for a company like this, they do have to trade a little bit of pay today for equity in what could be a successful outcome tomorrow. Absolutely. And that's a tough, it's tough to have that, find that right person in general. Yeah. And then when you flip that over and say, hey, you need great benefits talents, well, traditionally a benefits broker who- Has to be older. Yeah, has, has to have a little bit of experience. Yeah. And if they have a little bit of experience, they normally have their own book. If they don't own their own book, there's a whole lot more risk in them leaving something where they know they can get paid two to three times EBITDA at the end of the day for something that potentially have an exponential return. Yeah. But it's not nearly as, as secure or common. Exactly. Yeah. And we discussed that previously in the interview. I mean, it's a challenge to find that because if you're going to get somebody in here, you want them fully committed, right? You don't want them running their side business at the same time, right? And that's, that's a compel. It's, you know, you have to find someone at a certain age stage. And, and it's, it's hard, I think, in this industry, right? Because, I mean, successful, like you said, successful insurance agents tend to be skewed a little bit older. And this kind of long-term play skews a little bit younger in terms of its appeal. Absolutely. If you're running some other business on the side, then you aren't thinking about solutions or like ways to improve this business mm -hmm. that percentage of the time as well. And so, you know, for people who come in and are working, just imagine like how much better the, the system can be for all the broker, other brokers who are going to use it for the mm -hmm. you know, tools we're going to be built internally for their actual sales and servicing of our clients, you know, unless they're hundred percent focused on doing that one task. So thus far, what's the uh, feedback been from clients? How satisfied are you finding them? Or like, what are their, like, what are the pain points that they're finding that you need to be feeling to work out? Uh, it really depends on the client. Yeah. So, throughout the last couple of years, our target customer has changed significantly. It went from being fairly small companies, uh, companies who were ten to thirty, on average, maybe even a little bit smaller, to being companies who are fifty to two hundred, hmm. and the specific needs and pain points and disparities between what our product can do and what they need. It's like a cat chasing, chasing a laser pointer. Um, <laughs> it, it, and especially in uh, HR, unlike uh, Salesforce, where they're pretty well-established industry practices, mm -hmm. on the HR side, it's still death by a thousand cuts. You know, everyone has their own way. Process their own schemes, yeah. Yeah, especially in people moving off. A spreadsheet, for instance, someone's been living in a spreadsheet empire for a decade. You Custom know. built to whatever they want. Exactly. Like, it's their baby. They, you know, there's a certain reason they did X, Y, and Z. And you can't really expect uh, a platform to do 
absolutely everything, every you know tailored thing that your spreadsheet had done, but you didn't expect you know to be pushed down a funnel where it's best practices and it's going to save you in the efficiency side like ninety plus percent. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, the most effective deployments of any real SaaS is to basically not try to mold it to your practice, but to basically use it off the shelf as much as possible, right? Because then you're able to leverage whatever intelligence you've been built into it. Now, how did you, what do you attribute that shift from the smaller company to the larger ones? Like what, what's happened there? Has it just been your maturing or the, the feature sets you've added or just the word getting out there? Maturing and the feature sets we've added. When we first launched, it was really just the core HR set of you know, employee information, onboarding, document center, time off, a little bit of reporting. And now it's more comprehensive reporting. We have an applicant tracking system there's performance management. There's also time and attendance for companies who need to do time tracking on projects or clock in, clock out. And so that the wider the solution has, has gotten, and, and also within each individual module, the deeper in functionality we've gotten, the more we've been able to move up market and solve problems for companies with bigger with more employees. Who is it you feel you were competing with at the lower space? And how has that changed at all as you've been moving upwards? Yeah, so at the lower space. For the like vast majority of times, we were fighting against nothing. We were fighting against people with Dropbox folders yeah. and sometimes Hello Sign, but sometimes not. Sometimes paper contracts and Excel spreadsheets. As we move up market, our biggest competitors tend to be Bamboo HR. Uh-huh. They do a lot of the same things we do without the payroll side. Their price points are substantially larger than yours, from what I recall. Yeah, and then it's a little bit more expensive than ours, although ours, I would argue, should probably be more expensive than theirs. And then, you know, we're seeing a lot more people from, you know, ADPs and the Ceridians of the world, people who have on-premise software as well, who are now realizing that the cloud is not as scary as <laughs> their IT person told Fair them enough. it was. Yep. And it's interesting because I think, I think it was Ceridian that recently launched a similar system to what you guys do, but I would say not as good. Is that, was that the case or was it ADP? Someone, one of the majors actually did that. They all have stuff they all have either. They all have their version of like a lighter version of their uh, core HR software. They'll all be trying to do something similar. It's, it's just really tough for them to innovate as quick and like build new features. The way, you know. It's just not their focus. I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're looking at it from a very different customer lens. You're looking at it from the customer lens, right? You're looking at it from an all-inclusive one versus them. They, they are a payroll company trying to do HR. You're an HR company that's going to integrate payroll. And which one of those gets touched more often other than to you know, update numbers, right? To me, it's, it's what you guys are doing. I agree. And they also have hundreds of thousands of companies across a lot of different nationalities and so simple changes are really difficult for them to do. Little improvements that need to be supported across the board, announced across the board, bug checked in 20, like uh, 80 different languages. Whereas, you know, if somebody has a great suggestion, one of our customers um, thinks it should do X or Y, we can go build that and deploy it tomorrow. And that is a market advantage when it comes to, you know, a lot of these cloud-based systems are new, and I, I think that the faster people improve, the higher likelihood they're going to win. So you know, I've never heard anyone impressed by Ceridian or ADP. <laughs> it's usually prefi- uh, the prefix is usually a four-letter word first, and then then the name. <laughs> but, uh, and in terms of the uh, the advisor experience or the far the broker experience, like how much interaction have you had with the broker space to date? So. I would say it's still very early with us on the broker side. I've gotten out into the community and have tried to uh, meet as many like awesome people as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Thank you. Got to hang out with you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Benefits breakfast, um, understand the community. I don't think that we can work with them unless we really know and have a relationship with people within the community. So I'd say it's super early for us. Fair enough. We're still specking out what would work in terms of price share, how we would have to support a broker. Mm-hmm. If we can build tools that actually help brokers do their jobs better in addition to doing the HR software thing for companies. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you talked about some of your internal processes to me before about how you were able to put together your proposals now. Like, how much time does it take you? Like, next to nothing? We've done some cool things. So we chopped off 80 plus percent of the time to build a, to do a quote. So we have people upload their information. Uh, we have a cool tool on the back end that checks that all the proper info is filled out. Ask them X, Y, and Z questions. It'll actually prepare the requests mm-hmm. for the broker internally and give them the options of who to send it to for quotes. And then when we get the emails back, we have this cool machine learning thing that'll look inside the attachment in the email and pull the numbers out, put them in a spreadsheet. We still have to prepare the presentation, but... But essentially, you, you cut out countless man hours out of, the, out of one presentation, and you multiply that across every last one you do, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of labor savings. And speaking from experience, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be able to do that soon too, please. <laughs> that being said, so yeah, so do you think there's... A, what obstacles do you see in terms of actually working with the broker community in general? Just understanding or the timing or is you, do you feel like you're going to get resistance at all because you are this younger tech in company that basically is not something that scares them to death? Or I think we've seen a lot of interest from people on partnering. So I, I don't think that part is necessarily going to be the tough part. I think the tough part is figuring out the proper way to work with brokers to service their companies well. Because if we're going to be a part of the relationship they already have, Broker is going to want to explain and sell mm-hmm. what this is properly. You do need a little bit of knowledge on the HR side. There, you know, there are some things you'll want to be able to speak to intelligently. So that's a certain part of it. Um, the other part is how do we make sure that if a client of yours is on the platform, that they're complete. Like there's a Chinese wall, and you know, you're not going after their client accidentally, whatever it is. Exactly. Things always fuzzy when companies try and play the role of the broker and supporting the broker. Yeah. And I'd want to make sure that's like absolutely 100% clear of how it works, where we step and where we don't. Yeah. And I mean, initially you're probably going to receive a lot of resistance to working with various parties simply because of that. Like, oh, I'm going to give my competitor, you know, some money. I see the same, the same thing happening with the robo advisors and their advisor platform. Some advisors just like, they're making it harder for me. So I'm going to give them business. And it's like, well, no, you could leverage the same reasons that they're, you know, gaining business in your practice. I think ultimately, if you think about the best way to service your client, that you're going to win in the long run. Absolutely. Even if you take some near-term dips in commissions or you give a little bit up front, I think goes a long way. I agree. And that was my that was my conversation with you initially. I mean, the reality is, I mean, look at this space. We've talked about this before. The average advisor space, uh, age in this space is not exactly skewing, skewing young. And, you know, those guys are going to slowly start to mature out and a couple of people, younger people are going to slowly start to come in. And frankly, not only that, the people making these decisions at these companies tend to be more tech centric as they as they move along. And, you know, I'm sure the younger people are going to come in and look at these spreadsheets and say, why are you doing it this way? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. So either pairing up with someone like you guys or continue to do business business the way they've always done it just doesn't seem like a choice to me. It seems like you either embrace that future or you basically put yourself at risk of someone else who has. Absolutely agree. And I think it is same across the board. 
you know, as people's expectations change, the way we work has to change to accommodate that. You know, people do 95% of everything on their cell phone. I know. We should probably be thinking about tools for people to use on their cell phone or knowledge they can get or ways, you know, the tools they already use are going to make their lives simpler. Yeah, agreed. I mean, why do I need to go to my boss to ask for time off? Why do I need to basically go to my boss to ask for forwards on pay? Like, if this is all stuff that could easily be baked into a system. A lot of people are asking three different people for like time said, off, two emails, a Slack channel. Uh, you know, I mean, it could be way easier than that. And, uh, meanwhile, and, you know, just to testify to the simplicity of it, I mean, all that happens is that, yeah, I get a Slack notification. My business partner in charge of HR, he reviews it and approves or disapproves of it. Done. So, I mean, I totally see the benefit of it. So, yeah. So, you mentioned partnering with other, with other um, organizations. Are there any other tech plays you see yourselves like, becoming a part of their platform or working in, or, or building links to? I mean, you mentioned into the accounting software. Like, what else beyond the accounting and the uh, payroll are you thinking of? Zero in QuickBooks, 100%. Got them um, on zero, so that would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I would love for us to do something with some of the uh, group RSP providers. I think in the ideal scenario, an employee should say X amount for my paycheck. Uh, it goes into our group RSP and it goes pre-tax and, you know, an employer doesn't even have to set up any sort of like defined plan and they can still help their employee with savings. It's interesting. There's a, uh, there's a system in the U.S. that hasn't come to Canada mainly because the systems don't exist. So this is a side note. But it's something called Save More Tomorrow and it comes out of uh, behavioral finance. And what it does is it asks people, like, would you like to save more? Well, the answer is obviously yes. Well, can you save more today? Well, the answer is obviously no. But would you be willing to give up a part or percentage of your salary increase towards your group RSP, for instance, right? Uh, so, cool. yeah, exactly. So you basically say, I would like to give up one, two, three percent of whatever increase I receive or whatever percentage of it. And automatically, without you doing anything, it routes that salary increase into the group RSP. And that has been incredibly effective. But the problem in Canada is that. Payroll companies are not integrated with group RSP providers the way they have with 401k providers in the U.S. So that hasn't existed. At least that's the reason I think it has. It'll come, though. I mean, we're, in general, about four years behind the states when mm -hmm. it comes to technology. Depending on the technology. Depending on the technology. <laughs> I mean, mostly because we're, you know, a tenth the size. Yeah. But it's coming. And, you know, that'll become easier and less expensive to do. And also, I don't know what percentage of SMBs are on uh, some sort of cloud-based payroll system right now. Not enough. Not enough, yep. for sure. I mean, a lot of people still writing checks, checks to the CRA every single month and the next decade. I would assume that the majority of them will be on some sort of cloud-based system. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, it's I look at the, the, the productivity increases we've seen with ours. I mean, we've outsourced literally just about everything, including our bill paying at this point. And the amount of time that it's freed up for us is insane, right? So you guys use Pluto? We do. We uh, do. Uh, that yeah, came yeah. by way of live.ca, which, again, I'm going to be talking to them in the future, too. They're fantastic. So, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think the big reason for launching this entire podcast is to try to demystify some of these things. Because typically, I'll go to conferences and people will talk about people like you with a look of fear in their eyes. And meanwhile, it's like, you know, sitting across me, you're the furthest thing from being fearful. <laughs> right? So that's all good. So any last thoughts or words on uh, what you want to accomplish with uh, your company or, thought, or, or or what your concerns are in the industry? Oh, a lot there. Uh, <laughs> keep talking. Yeah, I mean, we'd like to build a really um, just a great, I mean, a solid business that services the lives of a lot of companies and employees across Canada that has good unit economics. We're not looking to raise an insane amount of money and burn it in a huge pile 
to acquire customers. You know, like so many startups. Like a lot of different startups. You want to have great financials. You want to build products that truly help people. And I think there's an idea of a financial institution that really has a great idea of who you are and what you want and helps you get there. And hopefully we can, it might be far-fetched to say that we could solve that, but I'm hoping that we could at least be a step forward or a part, part of, of that solving puzzle. that. I mean, everybody, every financial institution, every financial organization talks about knowing their client and getting intimate knowledge of it. But I mean, you have an interesting aspect or an interesting look through that we do not typically have. We do not have an HR look. We do not understand the payroll side. We don't get that, right? And I've often looked at even financial planning software and said to myself, geez, you know, if I can actually get a data export from their payroll software, boom, then suddenly I'm working with pre-tax numbers. I can populate all that data and make my life a lot easier in terms of generating this plan, right? So there, there's that. I mean, something, like, you know, it's something as simple as me as an insurance broker getting, getting notices if they've been off work for X number of days, right? Because they have a disability plan or maybe there's a critical illness happening. Who knows what it is, right? I think that, that you actually will, very well could be part of that entire you know, mosaic of what gives us the true look through. For employees who use me, those who log in every month, 50% log in on a daily basis. What drives them to do it on a daily basis? Depends. Uh, are you clocking in and out of work? Are sure. you checking a pay sub? Are you doing something with your time off? Something with the org chart? There's a whole host of number of reasons. Um, I, I think the, the reason I said that was because you know, how many times do you actually get to interact with the people that you service? And I think the number of interactions, each interaction has an opportunity to build value for that person. Not saying we're doing that today. No, but I mean, but you, you captured the most valuable currency in technology, which is attention. And the fact that you get them, whatever percentage of them are, they're literally checking it every day. That is an opportunity to get in front of them with a message that could nudge them in proper directions. So, I mean, wow, that's a, that's a pretty crazy statistic when you think of it. Yeah, a great opportunity there. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, my friend, for uh, taking the time for this one. This has been great, and uh, hopefully uh, I'll generate some more business for you <laughs> and uh, demystify uh, you for a lot of the industry. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you having me on the podcast, well, and uh, good luck with this thing. Thank you. Good, sir. All right. Take care. So there you have it. Kevin Kleiman and Huey, HR software with a spin that makes them a fintech company. Now, I, as you may have heard in the recording, I am actually using their software, and I've known Kevin for quite some time. And frankly, I think the model was brilliant. And all of us who are in the group insurance space should be looking at how to better work with companies that provide service like this, because quite frankly, it's a no brainer. We are either going to compete with them or we're going to work in conjunction with them. So as the old saying is, evolve or die. So thank you again for joining me. I'm Jason Pereira, and this was FinTech Impact. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.